Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Enjoy a tall, cool dude. I grew up like most kids, worried I couldn't bench two plates, that I wouldn't fit in, that I wouldn't find love. Then I discovered partying, and suddenly all those worries went to the wayside. I didn't need love. I had keg stands. I discovered I was great at raging, and it revealed wonderful things about myself. I could relate to bros regardless of what kind of bro they were. I could be at a party and moon people and everyone would laugh, you know, be witty. Or I could play beer pong and compete with real integrity. In short, I fulfilled my potential. The Nightcap on WGR Sports Radio 550. Welcome in to the Nightcap. Joe DiBiase here for the only time this week. Got hockey, got college basketball throughout, so you get more of me in the coming weeks. But this week, this is it for me. Sabres on the mind, a little bit on the Bills, pass interference, a lot of stuff happening. Nate Oates, of course, we'll talk about that all tonight here on the Nightcap. 8030550 is the phone number if you want to get in on the conversation. You can also hit us up on the text line, 550-550, or on Twitter, at SneakyJoe. WGR. I got a poll up there. I'll I'll bring that up a little bit later in the show. But oh, and also audio. Kim Pagula in this hour, Terry Pagula next hour. If you missed them at the NFL owners meetings, a lot on the Bills, but also a ton on the Sabres. We'll play both of those back for you at 7:30 and then at 8:30. So stay tuned for that. Hockey teams on the mind. It has been an epic collapse. We know that. We have been watching it since November. And now we've got Terry Pagula saying yesterday that we knew we weren't that good when they were in first place. And that's fair. Like, it's good that they recognized that. It's good that they recognized in that room, hey, we were not good enough when we were first place in the NHL. You've seen the screen grabs that are going around social media right now of, like, better days when the Sabres were first place in the NHL. There's Buffalo number one, and then it's Nashville below them, and Tampa below them, and they have, it, it has to be close to some sort of record to be first place that late into the season, and currently find yourself 27th, which is where they are right now. 71 points. They've won 13 games, it's the 10 game win streak. Boil it down to the last 12 games. And just look at how bad they've been down the stretch. If you didn't even watch them play and you looked at their results, you would think they were a team that has given up. In their last 12 games, they've won win. St. Patrick's Day against St. Louis. That's it. A shootout win. Keep in mind, a shootout win is their only win in the last 12 games. In that time, they've been shut out four times. You just got blown out and shut out 
by easily the worst team in the NHL, the Ottawa Senators. They're doing this tic-tac-toe play with three guys you've never heard of. Brian Gibbons and two other players I can't even think of off the top of my head right now. Big hockey nerd I am. I don't even know who Ottawa had in their top six last night that was leading the way to beat Buffalo 4-0. That was an embarrassing loss. That came in the last 12 games stretch. A minus 27 goal differential just in the last dozen games. Minus 27. That might sound like a big number. It is. They're minus 44 on the year. If you boiled it down and took minus 27 compared to the rest of the league for the season, that'd be 23rd. Terrible. Blown out several times. Shut out four times. 22 total goals in that stretch. They've been passed in the standings by Florida and the Rangers and the Avalanche and the Blackhawks and the Oilers and the Canucks and the Ducks. These are not good hockey teams. They've all passed you in the standings now. So that really puts into perspective how bad they've been just in the last dozen games where they now find themselves 27th. Bottom five. You were first in the league. Now you're back to the basement. And they're they're within shouting distance of dropping even further. You lose to the Devils the other night. They're only four points back of you. Man, you play the Red Wings coming up tomorrow. They're only five points back of you. Are they going to finish the season 29th? Are they going to win another lottery? That's that's what I was thinking about a lot today. I was playing around on tankathon.com. And the old NHL lottery simulator doesn't exist. Tankathon.com, you can sim the lottery. You look at all the odds. You look at the top three odds because that's a thing now too. So the Sabres right now would have the fifth best lottery odds. Just update you if you care about this. 8.5% for the top pick. 26.1% for a top three pick. And I ran through it about 50 times, just kind of seeing, hey, where, where are the Sabres going to end up picking? Because I'm thinking about the draft already. Ran it 50 times. They ended up with the first pick five times, which is better than what their odds are. Second pick seven times, and third pick seven times. Impossible for them to get the fourth. The fifth pick only twice. It's very unrealistic. And then sixth, 13 times they finished there. Seventh pick, 15 times. So, realistically... The Sabres are probably picking 6th, 7th, or maybe in the top three. So that's where they're at for that. But what, if anything, could get fans on board for next season? Could get you really excited for next season? Because we've kind of been there and done that with each thing. We did it with a new set of players twice. Remember a couple years ago, right after the tank, Tim Murray made all those aggressive moves in free agency and the trade deadline with Evander Kane and trading at the draft. And they went from having Ennis, Molson, and who would have been Gianta? Ennis, Molson, Stafford would have been their top line maybe. To, no, it would have been Giergensen's Ennis and Molson. That was their top line. You went from that to the next season – Having 
Kane on the team, and O'Reilly on the team, and Eichel on the team, and Leonard, and it was all fresh, it was all new, and it's we were ready for it. That was exciting. That first game of the Eichel era in Ottawa, that was supposed to be the beginning of the new era. And here we sit, f- almost four years past that, and they are no better than they were then. So they tried that. That got people excited. Okay, then you fired the coach. You brought in Housley. You brought in some more new players. Don't not to mention, once upon a time, you signed a big free agent in Kyle Poso. All right, that stuff didn't work. You won a lottery. You got Rasmus Dahlin. You lucked into that one. You didn't work for that top pick, but you lucked into that one. That got a lot of people excited for this season, right? Development camp, I was there. There was a lot of people there to see Rasmus Dahlin, the Prospects Tournament, preseason. It seemed kind of buzzing. You had this fresh new stud defenseman who was being called one of the best prospects to come into the league in decades. That got everyone hyped up. He's here. He's great. They're still bottom five. Still bad. Everything they've tried has not worked, and they've done different things. So I'm not saying what they do will not work, but anything the Sabres do this offseason, and I will include winning the lottery for this, and almost anything they do for next season, how can you get your fan base to buy in that you're going to be improved? I just don't think that's realistic. They need to earn that. They're at that point. They're at the point where I was at once upon a time with the Bills. The Bills would sign Mario Williams. They would draft EJ Manuel. They drafted before that JP Lossman. They'd do all this stuff, change coaches, Chan Gailey, Dick Duran, whoever it may be. Never bought us any of it until I saw it. And now I think the Sabres have earned that same reputation. I don't think they can expect their fans to buy that they're going to be a really good team until you actually see it. I don't know if there's a thing they could do that would make people buy in. Because we have seen it all in the last five years. Last week, just for just for fun, I was going through the old, uh, the, the suffering press conference. Darcy Regeer, Ted Black, and the tone in that press conference was pretty negative, but Darcy laying out how we're going to need to do some suffering. The fan base is going to have to put up with some suffering. And we're here six years later, and it's still happening. Still happening. Also in that press conference, they were talking about a, a big rebuild, go to the top of the draft, but not necessarily take five years is the, is the one they said, the number they said. And by 2015, that year was mentioned in that press conference. 2015, we'd like to be ready to go. And by their plan, with a different GM, 2015 seems like a year where, all right, let's go. I know Michael's a rookie, but I got all this other stuff. And really, where they're at now is they moved out all that other stuff. And there has been nothing coming up through the back end to replace it. Change for the sake of change 
is what happened here. You moved Kane because you had to do something new. Not because of what he was on the ice. He was great last season. No? Evander Kane was great last season. So it wasn't on the ice. Ryan O'Reilly was great on the ice last season. Hardest job in hockey. It's not even debatable. He had the hardest job in hockey. The top line center playing the most minutes in the league for a forward on the team that over the last five years has been the worst team in hockey playing against the other team's top players. Penalty kill. Top power play. And he still managed to put up 60 points a year. Still managed to do it. But he lost his love for the game. How are these players now not losing their love for the game? He just had the the guts to say it in front of everybody. And we moved him out of here. We moved him out of here. That's what my poll's about right now. It's not really what I want to spend time on tonight, but just out of curiosity, I want to know what people thought. Because early in the season, we were getting on the Blues. We were getting on O'Reilly. See? He was the problem. Two months in, we're first place. They're at the bottom. Hmm. I guess it did matter, the locker room stuff. Nah, it didn't. Because the Sabres came back down to earth. You knew the Blues were going to come up at least a little bit. I don't think anybody expected the Blues would go as far up as they did and anyone would expect the Sabres to go as far down as they did. But it's just an example that the on-ice production does mean more. And they moved him. They traded him. They traded the guy they need most right now, other than Eichel and Dahlien. Skinner's a great goal scorer. Ryan O'Reilly would be their second best forward right now. And he would allow you to not have Casey Middlestaff playing a bigger role than he should have been. Especially when you didn't have anybody else capable of doing it. Looking back, the trade makes no sense at the time. I thought moving him was super questionable. The only bright side to it was you were going to get faster, which they did, to their credit. They needed to do that. And that's probably part of the slight improvement we've seen this year. Improvement. I mean, nine points. Even nine points might be slight. You did need to get faster. You did that. But that was also kind of thinking about your top six. And you needed to get faster, but you really needed to get faster in your top six. And you had three guys last season, the last couple years, that were not very fast in your top six. O'Reilly, Reinhardt, Ogposo. Well, Ogposo's kind of fall off a cliff. So he's not really in your top six anymore. You still got Reinhardt there, but you could probably really, you could put up with his skating. Now, you've got other players that could have stepped into that. Sherry, maybe Nylander, as we've seen down the stretch here. Evan Rodriguez has really developed this year, I think. Not a goal scorer, but he'll put up a decent amount of points. You can put him on your second line, and it's respectable. That's the biggest problem this year. They have some good, skilled players. But there's just never, it seems like there's never the proper deployment and how to use them. The roster's flawed. But the roster is not a train wreck. You can work with this. 
You have a defenseman who is the best 18-year-old defenseman arguably in NHL history. You have Jack Eichel putting up a point a game. You have Reinhardt becoming a point a game player. You have Skinner scoring 40 goals. A lot of teams have made the playoffs on a lot less. Even recently, the New Jersey, New Jersey Devils made the playoffs last year on one guy's back. Taylor Hall won MVP because he was dragged a bad team into the postseason. It can happen. So, like, what is the issue here? Why aren't they even coming close to making the playoffs? When, like I said, teams have made the playoffs with a lot less. It's the depth. It's the depth to me, and it's how your coach is utilizing your players. It has nothing to do with me, to me, with the top of the roster. I do not have a problem with Eichel. Neither should you. Skinner's not the problem. Reinhardt's not the problem. Dalene's not the problem. And I'm throwing Rasmus Ristolainen into this. He is a problem in the spot he is playing. He is not the reason this team has been bad for five years. He himself is not the reason they've been bad for five years. The fact that they haven't had anybody in the organization to allow him to play the role that he needs to play is the reason. Because there's a lot of examples of stuff like that. Middlestat this year. Are we going to start to get on Middlestat in four or five years if he's not an 80-point player but he's a 50-point player? That, to me, is what that sounds like. The solution to what the Sabres are right now and to what they need to be in the future, to me, is not moving anybody in your top four or your top six. You need, you've done that. That's how you stay stagnant. That's how you plateau. You need to add people above that so that you can push those guys further down the roster. You need to have a team where Ristolainen can play in your second pair. You need to have a team where Evan Rodriguez can play an entire season in your bottom six. You need to have a team where Kyle Poso can play in your fourth line at this stage in his career. You need to have a team where Carter Hutton and Linus Allmark, neither of them have to play over 41 games. Because really this season, none of, neither of them have shown to be capable of that, other than that 10-game win streak. There's a lot of examples on the roster of guys that are still, to this day, playing roles that they probably shouldn't be playing. It's a stretch. It's a big stretch to see Ristolainen as a top pair defenseman. He's really not. It's a huge stretch to say Middlesat was ready to play second-line center. It's a stretch, even although I like him. It's a stretch to say Evan Rodriguez is a top-six player. It's a stretch to say Lawrence Pilot should have been in your top four all season. He should have been on the NHL roster, but top four, bit of a stretch. There are so many guys like that still. And if you trade away Ristolainen, if you trade away, or if you don't sign Skinner, then all you're doing is you're going to be pushing up players back up the roster that are going to be put in spots you don't need them to be in. You've got maybe two guys right now that really are in the spots that, or they're capable of the spots they're in. Dalene is your number one defenseman. Eichel as your number one center, and I'll throw Reinhardt and Skinner in there as like top-line wingers. Past that, I think they got three lines to figure out. 
Like, what you do at forward in the coming offseason, they could, they could make remake that whole group if they really wanted to. Don't re-sign Larson. Don't re-sign Giergensen's. Don't re-sign Pominville, or if you want, bring him back on a very cheap contract. Buy out, wave Sabotka, whatever you have to do. That guy cannot be playing on your roster next year. You don't need to be playing Scott Wilson again next year if you if you don't want. Like those guys way down the roster. That's who you change out. You do that at forward. You can do that at D even if you want. Find a way to get Scandell out of here. Hunwick. Maybe you don't want to bring back McCabe. I would want them to do that. Put Pilot down there. Like, change out the bottom of your defense and see if one of them eventually can come up and take that wrist line and spot. That's not just Dalene, because you're going to need more than one for that. So, that's what you do, I think, roster wise. I don't think you need a giant change. You're going to need a lot of change, but you don't need a giant one. You don't need a major move. I would like to see a lot of minor ones. With a possibility of maybe trading Ristolainen if you can get a bona fide second-line center for him. I'll talk a little bit about that later because I got an article on the website about a guy that his name's been in trade rumors and one Edmonton reporter, it's Nugent Hopkins. We'll talk about him later. But an Edmonton reporter kind of mentioned, hey, Ristolainen for Nugent Hopkins, like, so that's a scenario. I wonder if that would work. Something like that. Otherwise, I'm not ready to just move him for the sake of moving him. So you do that with the roster, and I think you got to move the coach. you got to move on from the coach. I, tr- <laughs> I was in the camp for a lot of the season of staying patient with Housley and thinking that you give him next season at least at the start. But I don't know how you defend that anymore. I don't know how you do. The number, I, the, fire, the fire Housley number that was always sticking in my mind was 80 points. Because that just didn't seem like a number they were going to not get to. Right? They were, they were on their way to, to 95, between 95 and 100 at one point. And after you started falling the wayside towards the bottom of the standings, you thought you were at least going to get to like 85. They're at 71. They're not going to get to 80. Micah McCurdy, the uh, projection guy on Twitter for uh, hockey, hockey graphs maybe, uh, at hockey graphs. He has them at projected 78 points right now. I don't know how you can defend him being back next year. They they might do it. The Pagulas talked like last night and Botro talked like a couple weeks ago that they might bring him back. I don't think that's the most the biggest crime I've ever seen with coaches, but man, they're going to have a tough time defending that. First of all, your fans are ready to move on. And there are a lot of hockey reasons to do it, too. You don't want them to fire Housley just, just because the fans want to do it. You don't want them to do that. To me, that feels like what kind of happened with Ryan O'Reilly. That whole offseason, all people were calling in about is, hey, what can they get for O'Reilly? they got to move on from O'Reilly because you got to do something and that evolved into actually trading him. I don't know if they traded O'Reilly, of course, if, because there was a lot of pressure to do it. But, man, it felt that way. Because there was a lot of people saying that that's a move that they needed to make. 
You shouldn't make a move just because the fans want you to do it, because to me, that could have been an example of that. And that's a bad move, looking back. You also don't want them to fire Housley just because they don't want to make another change. That is not, you don't want them, I don't want them doing that. Nobody wants them doing that. Continuity, continuity only works if it's the right people in place. That's logical, it's common sense. The Patriots are always mentioned as the most, like, continuity, Belichick, Brady. Belichick, best coach ever, Brady, best quarterback ever. Yeah, no wonder continuity works there. <laughs> if you keep, if you would have kept Ted Nolan and Tim Murray here for a decade, you had a lot of continuity, you also probably would have been at the bottom of the standings for an entire decade. So that's a bad reason to keep, or to, that's a bad reason to keep him in my mind. And, man, there's just, there's lineup stuff all over the place. There's so many things to point at that it just seems like he doesn't get it. And you wanted, it's so disappointing, too, for what he was supposed to be, Housley. He wasn't the former third, fourth line guy who became a coach and is talking about grit and toughness to win and we got to cross-check him in front of the net. Housley was an offensive-minded defenseman who... It seemed like a lot of fans who watched him back in the day thought he was really soft and too soft and didn't like him because of that. That read like, hey, he's going to be, all right, knowing how to coach up these offensive defensemen. He's going to be letting those guys flourish. He's going to let the offense flourish. He's going to open things up. They're gonna be, things are going to be loose. There's going to be a lot of skating, a lot of aggressiveness. And it seems like we're talking about the same stuff. He's talking about checking detail and shot mentality. You got Scandella taking open shots from the blue line when he's got a four on two if he just takes a little bit of a stride forward. I don't know how you defend keeping the coach. They might do it, but it just seems like it's over. It's over for him. It seems like it's over for him. And you've got big-name coaches out there you might be able to bring in. Quenville could be that. I keep thinking about Bruce Boudreaux for this. Minnesota looks like they're on track to miss the playoffs. Bob McKenzie you got yesterday. He mentions the Sabres in this, but teams that could move on from their coach. Minnesota's the other team. Bruce Boudreaux, man. I mean, he's not going to get you anywhere once you make the playoffs, but that guy makes the playoffs almost automatically. Like, wouldn't it be a blessing in three years to be mad that the Sabres have lost in the first round three years in a row and you want to move on from Bruce Boudreaux. That's the name that I keep thinking about um, if the Sabres were to move on from Housley. We'll get more on the Sabres next from the owner. Kim Pagula talks a lot about the Sabres, but not just the Sabres, also a bit on the Bills and also a lot of stadium talk. If you want to get your thoughts in before that, give me a call at 803-0550. We'll get you right on here. It's the Nightcap. Jody Biasi here on WGR. We stunk. We stunk up the building tonight. We have a game plan in place. We didn't execute it. It, it just goes back to our checking detail. I mean, we're leaving guys on the side of the net open, tapping goals. Checking detail. That's kind of become a point to make fun of Phil Housley there because he always talks about checking detail, but he does have a point there. I mean, I know they didn't score. You're not going to win no matter what you do if you don't score. But they were giving up some tappings last night. That is just brutal considering the team you were playing. Embarrassing loss. You lose in Ottawa to the worst team in hockey. 
They've been the worst team all year, by the way, and they're missing their top line. They traded their top line. They traded Duchesne, they traded Zingle, they traded Mark Stone. you got nobody's playing for them. They basically lost to the Tank Sabres. The 2015 Sabres. It's basically what Ottawa is right now. Let's roll through some calls. We'll actually uh, we'll get to Kim Pugula in the next segment so we can get to some of your guys' thoughts. Let's go out to Jim. Jim, you are in Lancaster, and you're on the nightcap. What's up, man? Hey, Joe. How you doing? Good. How about you? Well, I got to tell you, I'm 58 years old. I've been Sabres fan for forever. And again, last night, you, you know, you talk about soft. When Rodriguez got crushed, the, that that guy, Boreap, I can't pronounce his name. Burrowicki? Yes. The look on his face, like he was ready for somebody to come at him. And again, nobody did. I, I can't, you know, Jim Schoenfeld went through the, through the Zamboni. <laughs> she door with Wayne Cashman. I know, but are you trying to say here? And I get your point here. And it's it, it, I didn't see the play, so if it's Nelson again, then you've got a problem there. But are you trying to make the point that that's the problem with the team in general? No, I mean just overall. Okay, I think the Sabers have no heart, and I think that stems from maybe the coach on down. They're they're a reflection of their coach. And it just, you know, it's unfortunate for yeah. all the fans in Buffalo. Another year of paying a lot of money to go downtown to watch. And, again, here we are. In- yeah, Jim, Jim, I got you, man. I mean, I, I get what you're saying. And to me, I wonder about that a lot because Housley is so dry whenever he speaks in the media. And that gives fans an impression that, that's how you are with the players. And it might be that he's like that with the players. It also might be that he's different. And that's just the way he treats the media. But when you talk to the media like that, like that's where fans get an impression of you. So you're not doing yourself any favors there. You open yourself up to criticism like that. The Sabres having no heart and taking after their coach. I can't dispute that because the only evidence we have of how Housley... X is like where what he's like with us. So you can't really defend it at this point. They do play like that. I think the bigger issue is still the talent problem and that you've got players playing in roles they shouldn't be playing in. That's the biggest issue, but I I can't defend either that they're not that they they have heart. I mean, no back check on that one tic-tac-toe goal last last night. Just brutal. Let's go to Craig. Craig, you're on the nightcap. What's up? Hi. How you doing? Well, I'd be a lot better if we were going to be in a playoff race, but I'm, I know you're young, and I'm 52, and I, my dad took me to the Sabre games, and all they would always yell, and Ian Housley was a phenomenal skater and scorer back when scoring was scoring. What do you mean by that, scoring was scoring? Well, there was they don't. There's no scoring anymore. Oh, there was scoring. Okay, I see. I see what you mean. But they, but they all, all the all the fans used to let them yell, hit him with your purse, Housley, hit him with your purse, Housley, because he was a wimp. I was. All right, Craig. You sound like you got something else going on there. Let's go to Matt. Matt, you're on the nightcap. What's up? Hey, thanks for taking my call. Sure thing. Um, 
ready, you know, just like you, I'm ready for the, the season to end and, and to get into the off season. And I hope, I hope they do move on from the coach. Um, I, I was a Housley fan. I was a fan of the hire at the time, but I think it's just, it's time to move on. But I just wanted to get your thoughts on, I know Nylander has been up here and has played a few games, but just wanted to get your thoughts on if there's anyone down like in Rochester or like maybe in some of these other um, hockey leagues um, that we've drafted the last couple of years that you, you can see maybe making a push for that uh, bottom end of the roster if we funnel up the, those guys that you were talking about earlier. Mm-hmm. And just also, if um, do you see them still going with um, Hutton and Olenbrock next year, or do you think that they uh, they just bring someone else in to be that full-time guy? No, thanks for the call, man. Um, yeah, I appreciate I like I like all your questions there. I, quickly in the goaltending, I think you're going to Hutton and Olmark almost for sure next year. I'd be stunned if they weren't your two goalies. Olmark's young. You're still hoping he can become your number one, and Hutton's under contract. I think the next goal you see here regularly after these two will be Ukapekalukin, who seems like one of the top goalie prospects in the world right now. So I think you're just waiting on him, and I think you're fine with your goalies for next year. Uh, Nylander, by the way, quickly, I have liked him, and I'm not a big fan of his game at all, but I've liked him the past couple games for sure. Really, the guys in Rochester you would hope make the team next year I think are up right now. I think it's Olsen, Nylander, and I think it's Borgen. And maybe I'll throw... Like, if you're talking about bottom six guys, Asplund would be a big hope for that. You gave up Mark Pesek to get him. You would want him to be able to step in and be your Johan Larson even next year at the very least. Maybe Sean Malone could do that too. Those are the, the immediate names I'm thinking of, but, like, you, they don't have the biggest problem. One of the biggest problems with the Sabres the past couple years and why they have no depth, they have no scoring depth, they don't have depth in general, but especially scoring is they just don't hit on any draft picks that isn't a first-round pick. Nothing. There isn't a guy past the first round that's played from their last three drafts. And before that, you're looking at Brendan Gooley, who you already traded, Will Borgen, who's only played one game, Brendan Lemieux, who's on another team, and everybody else didn't make the league. Olafson might get here. Seventh-round pick, 2014. That'll be one guy... It wasn't a first-round pick that you might count on for next year. So, yeah, I'm hopeful that guys, the guys that just ran through there can come in and make out your bottom six. But how are you supposed to have any confidence that's going to be the case? Because this team for five, six, seven years now gets nothing from their drafts. Talk about where their problems come depth-wise. Go, you have to go back to Darcy to start talking about mid-round picks that actually made the made the league. Let alone give you any sort of impact. Darcy's last draft. Seven guys in Darcy's last draft have played in the NHL. Eight have done that since, and that includes first-round picks. How about that? 2013, Darcy Regeer, Darcy Regeer drafted seven players that made the NHL. Since then, the Sabres have had eight draft picks make the NHL. Almost all of which were first-round picks. And another one's Brendan Lemieux, who none of which has come with you on your team. That's incredible. Let's take one more call here, and then we'll take a timeout. Dan is on the nightcap. What's up, Dan? Oh, sorry, Dan. I hit the wrong button. Call back if you want. We'll keep rolling through your calls after this. Kim Pagula as well after the break. It's the nightcap. Jody Biasi here on WG. Welcome back to the Nightcap. Joe DiBiase here on WGR. Well, actually, we're going to hold off on Kim Pagula just a little bit more. 
803-0550 is the phone number. If you guys want to keep getting in on the conversation. We will get to the Pagulas, though, in the next hour. But first, let's go back to the phone lines. Let's go to Matt. Matt, you're on the nightcap. What's up, man? Hey, Joe. Thanks for having me on. Sure. Um, yeah, I just had a, a thought for you. Uh, as a fan, and even if I'm bottle, uh listening to Housley's post-game uh, comments makes me start to think that he's kind of just talking himself out of his job. Um, you know, I've been listening throughout the season, and with these losses, he constantly refers to, you know, we had a game plan, and they just didn't execute it, and, you know, we need to do better next time. And as a fan, I'm just sitting here wondering when he's going to say, you know what, my job is to make them do better next time, make them follow the game plan, and, and really correct these mistakes. And, you know, I, I would be understanding of it if it was like a one- or, or two-time thing, but it just it seems over and over and over again that he's talking about how great this game plan is, but the players aren't executing and another thing, too, about a caller, uh, one of the callers had you know, uh, mentioned that he didn't really, maybe not, maybe he lacked heart. And I, I was talking to my friends about this, and I was like, you know, I, I played uh, basketball in high school, mm-hmm. and even if we were getting obliterated, we still busted our butts out there for our coach because we respected him. We respected the, you know, the heck out of him because he had our backs. We knew that, you know, he was a true leader. And, and led us, and we wanted to do as best as we could for him no matter what till the right. whistle. And I just don't see that out of the Sabres this year, so I want to get your thoughts on that. Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, they certainly look like they're lack- lackadaisical in their own end, and when you know that your coach's forte is, like, defenseman and your own end, like, he's he was defenseman. That's what he did in Nashville. He coached the defenseman. That's his uh, specialty. And when you've got even Eichel, like he's not my problem with this team, but or anything close to it. But the play he makes the other night, Gallagher standing in front, and Eichel, all you gotta do is lift his stick. Yeah, it doesn't seem like they're dialed in in their own end, and that's not a good look on the coach. I I, I kind of echo what you're saying though. Like even when you're down, thinking back to when I played sports in school, like you, yeah, you I, you don't even really think about the score. I mean, you do to an extent, but once you're out there, you just play. At least that was like that for me. And when you've got a coach that you respect and that you want to run through a wall for, there's never moments like that. I don't know. Let's go back to the phone lines to Tom. Tom, you're on the nightcap. What's up? Hey, guys. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm fed up. I think the team's soft. I, I think the owner's soft. I think the coach is soft. The players are soft. Nobody stands up for themselves. You know, it's time to take a stand. We, you know, we've, we've dealt with such a poor product for so long. You know, Terry Pagula should be out there saying this is unacceptable. This is garbage. You know, you guys at WGR, you wanted the tank. And I think it, it's, you, lost, you lost your credibility, to be honest with me. It's, it's, it's unbelievable. I can't, I, I'm sick of watching for, games every single night. I can't do it anymore. I'm just I'm fed up. All right, Tom, thanks for the call. I... Man, the one thing I'll say about this fan base and the station and everyone around here is when that tank happened, that's when, like, the fan base sounded the smartest it ever did. You can argue whether it worked or not. I mean, at this point, it's hard to argue that it did. I mean, you accomplished the goal. So I guess in that sense, you could say that it worked. You got the best player in your team for the last five years. But lost credibility. I'm thinking even more in terms of the fans there. Like, the fans, 
we're smart enough to know that was the path that works the best in sports. 76ers did the same thing. Their fans were all in on that. It's working for them. They might make the NBA Finals this year. Anyways, I get your frustrations, though. I mean, being a fan of this team right now is brutal. They lost 4 to nothing to the worst team in hockey. After winning one of their last dozen games, getting outscored by 27 in that stretch, that number is still amazing to me. How you could be minus 27 in a 12-game stretch. Got Tampa Bay out here. They're plus 100 on the season. Brian in Williamsville. What's up, man? You're on the nightcap. Yeah, I wanted to echo what one of the other callers said. I did basketball when I was in school. I played with more heart than that. Mm-hmm. Um, a few of them need to stay. A few of them need to go. But I go, I agree with me to be here no matter what. Ryan Hart, um, hopefully they can sign Skinner. I really do like real boarding game. And they just caught up Victor Olfeson. So I'm not sure if you were aware of that or not. Oh. Olafson, yeah, I mean, I think the guys you mentioned pretty much is like, that's your core. Before Borgen and Olafson. Obviously not there yet with those guys. But Eichel, Reinhard Skinner, Darlene, it's your core. That's your core. I don't know who else you can argue is deserving of that right now for how they've played. Steve is next. Steve, you're on the nightcap. What's up? Hey, uh, I was actually on your bandwagon as far as let's get rid of Housley okay. yesterday when I heard a segment with Rob Ray. Um, he doesn't mince words. He he lets it fly. Yep. And it it made me think a little bit about Housley. I actually personally, as I, I went through this today, as I'm at work, the this roster is actually worse than last year. I mean, it is. You you lost Ryan O'Reilly. Well, you lost- no, no, yeah, it is because really Skinner he replaced Kane's goals, but then gave you more. But you have nobody that's even come close to replacing O'Reilly. So okay, I can agree with that. Yeah, the roster's worse. No, what they gained though was future, which the first round pick that we got for O'Reilly turns into Montour. Yep. Is sixty games in. Thompson probably should have been playing in Rochester, and then we get Bergwin and Saboka, which are hot garbage. Right. That we already had, and then Kane turns into a first and a fourth, and O'Reilly. So, actually, I think it's worse, and the worst thing that could have happened to this team this year was to win 10 games in a row. I think they were going to tank this year. I think it was the Bills of this year. No, oh, the tank? Why? You thought they were going to tank this year? Not, I don't want to say tank, but I don't think they thought they were going to be that good. I, mean, I think they thought they were going to be a lot better. I think they were building capital for this offseason with draft picks to me, see, I, I, I don't see, I don't follow you here because I don't think you acquire Jeff Skinner if, you, if you're thinking that way. You spent draft capital. Even though it wasn't a lot, you did spend draft capital to get Jeff Skinner on an expiring contract. You don't make that move unless you think you're going to be at least competing for a playoff spot. They did acquire some futures, but no, I, they got to get traded for Sherry, too. It's another guy that you were hoping was going to help you right away. Last year they traded for Scandella, which was a move that you thought would help you right away. Same with Bullyu. The roster might have been worse last year. It might have been better this year. Who knows? All you know is they've got a head coach right now who had them last place in the NHL last season, and now they're 27th. Is the roster that bad? I don't need him to go. 
I guess. I'm not going to be out there with pitchforks, but I'm, I'm struggling to find any way to defend bringing him back. So maybe in that sense, I think you do. He, he does need to go at this point. Thanks for the call. We'll keep rolling through some in the next segment, top of the hour, before we get to Kim Pagula and then Terry Pagula. That's all coming your way next hour here on the Nightcap. Jody Biasi on WGR. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.